You're listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. From pavers to profits, we're focused on the topics that help hardscape professionals find success and level up. Let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Hardscape Growth Show. I'm your host, Alex from TechoBlock, and today we are joined by Chad Kenville from Natural Design Landscapes. They are from Cornwall, Ontario. And uh, today we're going to talk with Chad because he's running a business in uh, what you could definitely consider to be a small town, small market environment. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the journey that he's had in building his business and some of the lessons that he's learned to make sure that he's a successful entrepreneur, he's a profitable entrepreneur, and that he has a business that's growing, even though he's in a town that has a, geez, a population of what, Chad? How many people live in Cornwall? Oh, I think we're... 50,000, 60,000, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And that's and for those of you not familiar with where Cornwall is, it's basically draw a line between Montreal and Toronto and then draw another line straight down from Ottawa. And somewhere in the middle there of all that is where Cornwall is. So there's it's not, uh, it's not a booming metropolis, but there are good clients and you found a way to, to tap into that. So why don't we start with uh, just a little bit about yourself, Chad? Hey guys, so I'm Chad Kenville, owner of Natural Design Landscapes. I've been running the company for 10 years now, progressively doing better and better every year. Everything seems to be good and uh, hopefully it's going good for all you guys. I mean, it should be this year. I mean, it's pretty insane how uh, the hardscape industry is doing this year. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a year, like you said, that there's a ton of demand. So it's kind of difficult to not be enjoying some growth and some success. But like you said, for for 10 years, year after year, you know that you're getting better. You know that your business is growing. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the type of work that you do today and maybe uh, how that's different from how whatever you were doing when you started? Okay, so um, the type of work we do today, mostly um, custom stuff. We like to do cool inlays, different products. Uh, multiple products, different bandings, all that stuff that uh, is probably attracting all you guys to the industry and, and everybody else's jobs and stuff like that. But we didn't start that way. Whenever we started, we were probably doing first year, probably uh, 100 square foot relays, the really crappy jobs that nobody else wanted to take on. And honestly, we were doing an okay job with them. I guess um, I come from sort of a, an old school boss mentality where the guy I worked for good is good enough. Uh, so like we hammer out these jobs, they weren't great. They're a lot of brick lock and four by eights and, and commercial stuff where you just do it in and out and get paid. Whenever I started on my own, one of the biggest things for me was, is the client going to be okay with this? Is this good enough to get paid? And, and I would go, I would approach each job with, is this good enough to get paid? And that was always my biggest fear on the job. Not that are we going to do it? Is it going to last? Is, is it good enough to get paid? And after about a season of that, I sort of transformed my mindset to, well, if I do a better job every time, if I do something with a little more wow in it, then there's nothing for the client to say, hey, what about this? Or what are you going to do here? I don't really like this cut. So we transform the business from good enough to get paid to, wow, here's the check. Like there's nothing to complain about, right? And it just transformed us. Like the profit just went boom, straight uphill from there. So it it was intentional though. 
Absolutely. There, there was kind of a, almost like a, a fear when you started, if I hear you correctly, yeah. there was this fear, like, will, will they like this? Will they accept this? Will they pay me? Yeah. Well, I just did all this work. I'm out all this money, all this time, all yeah. this material, everything. Absolutely. I, and like, I knew what I was doing from the start, right? It's not yeah. like I'm, I'm to rip anyone off or do a, a poor job for anybody. Right. But I was still new. I mean, for my old boss, I probably worked five or six seasons, but I never done everything on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I always had someone there not checking, but sort of checking. Yeah. And then the reliability didn't fall on me at the end. Right. Is this wall going to fall down after three years? Uh, it was somebody else who had to come and fix it if it was right. Yeah. But that's um, right. By by elevating my own standards, technically and uh, artistically, I guess uh, we took that whole factor of uh, is this good enough off the table, right? And all of a sudden, people are saying, "Well, what can you do for me? How can you make my job give my job the wow factor?" Instead of, "Yeah, that looks good. Okay." That's a good square foot price. I'll take that. I like what you just said with the, what can you do for me? Like it changed from when the customer was so in control of the relationship that you were fearful of your future to a point where by doing more cool stuff, by being more unique in your design, by focusing a lot more on quality and, and the perceived value to the customer, it put the control dynamic more on your side where the customers are now, well, what can you do for me? Yeah. Can, can, can I hire you? Not, okay, I guess I'll hire you. And there's a big shift there. It takes out the the whole, the square foot price out of the equation. It takes off the, well, this guy said he'd warranty it for a year longer or something like that. It's just, you're not an installer. You're an installer and an artist now, right? And there's a dollar value associated with, being an artist as well as a technician, right? So you can charge a premium, but I mean, that's not why we do it. We like to build cool stuff, but it's also pretty great to get paid more for doing it too, right? For sure. What about the impact on pricing? Because you said, you know, as soon as you start doing things a little differently, a little more creatively, the profits shot shot up. That would imply your prices shot up too, right? Yeah. Um, so here's the tricky thing. Whenever we started doing cool jobs we weren't pricing for cool jobs we were uh we had this like we sort of touched on earlier this starving artist mentality basically oh we're just gonna do it because it's gonna look cool to have this big black swoop through the patio and it's it'll be great for pictures and we'll show it online and everybody will love it and and uh there's a day of cutting that we're not going to build a client for the client didn't even know about it right said how about this throw this big swoop in in the job Holy cow, yeah. that looks amazing. So you, you, you've, your artistic side feels fulfilled, but your business person is shaking yeah. his head in the corner going, what the hell did we just do? Yeah, he's like, well, why are you doing that? You just added a day to the job and now we're out two grand mm-hmm. or whatever, right? But in my mind, I always chalked it up to, hey, that's better than advertising and we don't do anything for advertising. Since uh, Even since our first year, I think we ran one ad in our first year and and the the paper that we ran it in spelt our name wrong and stuff like that and i don't know they maybe even got the phone number wrong but we didn't get any any calls from it nothing right um putting our our time in, into building nicer jobs mm-hmm. has paid for itself in advertising and referrals and and uh, and all that in the long run i mean knock on wood i'll never have to do any advertising again 
uh, in a, in a paper online or, I mean, great. If you do, if, if that's what works for you, maybe your market's way different than mine and, and you have to be out there knocking on doors and, and putting ads in papers and everything. But in my little market, in my bubble, uh, people sort of know us as the guys who'll do some, some pretty cool stuff just because that's what we like to do. That's the identity that you've created for yourself. Yeah. I think it's important to, to realize like, it's good that you're getting these leads through referrals and obviously a, a, you know, a, a good referral is worth more than any lead that you get because the job's practically sold for you. Like the, the, they want you because they've seen and they've heard everything that's good about your business. So that, that's good. But, you know, to say that you'll, you'll never have to do advertising, it really just depends on what your business goals are. Like if you're really trying to grow your business to a point where you need a lot more customers, well, then you need another channel that's feeding you. You need another pipe that's, that's filling the, the drum of, of leads for your business. But if you're happy with the size that you have and you just want to incrementally do a little bit more with each client, you don't need 50 new customers. You just want to go and make an extra five grand per customer, let's say for 2022, then you can still achieve that through your referrals and you just add different services or add some other creative uh, elements to your projects and you can do that. Or you can just very simply raise your prices. That's another way too. So really it depends on what like the business's overall goals are and then what feeds you enough customers so that you can achieve that. And that's, that's how you justify whether or not you need to spend in marketing or not. And you've already figured that part out. You don't need to for where you are today. Yeah, for, I mean, uh, if we're talking about my market and stuff, um, we're bursting at the seams with, uh, with jobs that we can handle for the season. And, and some business owners will say, well, hire more installers, hire more of this. They're not around here. Like, uh, well, the, we have, they're not around anywhere right now. That's, that's it, right? They're not around anywhere. But that's why we started heartscaper.com. So, you know, you can hire anybody, just get them the training to get started and the rest will learn on the job, but at least they have a good foundation, right? But yeah. it's a real problem. So it's, it's, I, it's true. Like everyone's, oh yeah, well, just hire more people, build more crews, like just do more jobs. Well, can you? Is one question to answer. And do you want to? Yeah. Is another question to answer. That's it. They're both important questions. They both weigh the same, sort of, right? We can't do, uh, we can't take on more jobs. Would I, would I want to? Yes. But I don't really love dealing with homeowners sometimes. You know, as bad as it is to say, I mean, they've got us to where we are. And we have tons and tons and tons of amazing clients. But I can't sit there and pick products for three hours on a on a Wednesday afternoon while my guys are... are throwing bricks around the jobs. I have to be on site with them because that's when we're most productive. And that's what I like to do when I'm, I'm choosing the line for the curve and everything and mm -hmm. cutting it in myself and all that stuff. Not that they can't do it. They can absolutely do yeah. it. But it comes down to what you want to do. And, and that, that's where those choices come down, right? Like, could you hire more people and take on more work? Yes. But that means you need to be somewhere and you need to put someone else somewhere else you can't be in both places at the same time. So it's either you hire a salesperson slash design person to, to handle more of those sales calls, or you, you empower your team more, or you hire a, a foreman or, or something to drive the product productivity on the site more. But the way you're structured right now, you have enough work and you're happy with the, the, the number of customers. Now you just want to make more per customer. Because when we were talking before, uh, before we started recording here, you, you said that one of the things that uh, that you learned, kind of building off of that start, starving artist thing, like you don't want to be that starving artist forever. It's cool that you do 
funky designs and you, you kind of spice it up younger in your career to, to attract more attention and to express yourself like it's more rewarding uh, uh, for that artist in you. But at the same time, you need to make money and you need to make money fast. And, and that's something you were alluding to, uh, like I said, before we got started, is you've kind of started to, to hone in on what makes you the most money quickest without losing the core of who you or your yeah, company are. Losing what you've built yeah. for the past 10 years or whatever, right? Um, so what's that look like for you? Um, well, see, for us to hire more guys, it sort of steps me back into that position where did they do a good enough job for me to get paid now, right? I'm trying yeah. to avoid that whole thing again. Yeah. That was so you're concerned about the, the, the quality of the craftsmanship if you're not there. Yeah, I don't want to see the quality taken yeah. if I'm not there. And the guys that I have now, incredible. Like they could do everything without me. I could say this is that, that grade, follow the design, the, they'll knock it out, no problem. Right. But in my market or in my labor pool, I just have a hard time finding anyone else because there's probably 10 or 12 pretty good landscapers in town. There's five phenomenal landscapers in my, in my town. Right. And uh, we all know each other. We're not fighting with each other. Everybody knows probably what a, the big job is worth, or we're all just about the same. Some of us are faster than others. Some of us are slower than others. Some of us will take more time on cool design. We're out of the box, right? Some guys are, yeah, we'll do the banding and rock solid install. Like 25 years later, nothing moved an inch or a centimeter. Um, but our thing is the design. Style. We're a little, a little more out there. Yeah. And that's cool because then you attract that type of customer and there's just enough in your market that you can get them at a price that works for you yeah. and that works for them. Yeah. And there's still enough for everybody else to eat at the same time. That's it, right? We're all eating. And that's cool. Yeah. Like there's no, there's no, it's, you know, there's a lot of ambitious entrepreneurs that, that have been on the show and that listen to the show. And that's great. And you can want to grow your business and get more customers and do more, 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 more. But there's there's another track that you can also take. It's it's an option, or you can do it at the same time, and that's optimizing the business to get more revenue per project, more revenue per hour expended on site, more more revenue per employee on site, or just overall more satisfaction out of running the business. And these are all things that that it kind of like what we were saying before. Like you can, you have to decide whether or not you can and whether or not you want to. These are equally important questions. Yeah. And I'm sort of walking a tightrope between how we can make the most money and how we can do the best, nicest jobs out there. And I'm throwing in, at this point, a lot of commercial stuff. And I don't want to say the commercial stuff is subsidizing the residential stuff, but uh -huh. it makes it a lot easier to stomach an extra half day of cutting or, or an inlay that we didn't account for on the creative side of things. Right, because we have that big fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar check coming in from the commercial job that we did two months ago. So, oh yeah, okay. Like, and I'm probably the worst business owner on the face of the earth <laughs> for that, right? Like, fly by the seat of my pants. The numbers are all right, but they're all up here, right? I don't have yeah. the the accounting person till the end of the, the end of the year. Um, yeah. Well, I, uh, yeah, but uh, so, I won't. Yeah. I won't go on a rant on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, um, we'll stay away from that. So, we have other episodes to talk about. In my mind, I guess I, I'm still that uh, that starving artist. Yeah, but with a little justification in the back of my head. Yeah, 
But if it's working for you where the company is, you have a stress level that you're okay managing. And and you're a super chill dude, like already. Yeah, man. So, you know, I guess the stress level can't be that high because you're just, or or you're, you you don't get stressed out by it, but. Uh, I manage it well. I try not to to take on too many projects that I get stressed on. Yeah. It's all pretty easy. But at that same time, I found the last few years, homeowners are sometimes the biggest area that that I get, yeah, that, that I get stressed out in. So I've sort of. Why is that? Um, just in, in the handholding aspect of it, right? You have okay. to, to be there to, for material selection and what about this? And can you work with this guy? Our permits, uh, our permits in order. Can you deal with the fence guy? Can you deal with the gas guy? Can you do- Is that a change in the customers or it's a change in, in what you offer that has resulted in your customers' demands being different? So, so whenever you're doing a, a $3,000 walkway, you never have yeah. to deal with the gas guy or, or anything, right? You call for your locate, yeah. you dig the, uh, dig your base, you put in your walkway. Uh, maybe the carpenter has to come in and set great for his steps or something like that. Right. But yeah. whenever you do these more intricate pool surrounds and so now you're dealing with the electrician and you're pouring the, the grade beam for the pool, mm-hmm. uh, you put you're setting your own rebar and you got to make sure, uh, that you have all the rebar in the truck and the mm-hmm. concrete truck is coming on time and all like just the more, irons in the fire you have to play with and impress the homeowner at the same time uh yeah. definitely doable but in the bigger jobs when they're looking over your shoulder it's uh, a little more stressful. stressful yeah well that's where the justification just to kind of bring it back to one of the first things you said but that's that's where the profits end up going up you have more risk you have yeah. more skin in the game if you have to manage these subcontractors and all these other tradespeople coming in and the project is that much bigger. So that, that's that's something that uh, I'm sure you learned over the years too. Like the, the profit you make on that $3,000 walkway, whatever margin it is that you make on that cannot be the same margin that you make on a $100,000 poolscape. Yeah, you have to price accordingly, right? Because uh, there's so much more involved. And I think every time you're doing a big project uh mm-hmm. there's a premium for for all the other management tasks that you do on top of just building the landscape yeah that's it the bigger the company gets there's more more hats that you wear yeah just more overhead that has to be recovered because you're not you're not building anything when you're wearing those hats but you need to be billing for them yeah 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 so you, you work with a lot of subcontractors now then i guess with with what your business does because you're, you're you're building literally if it's outside you're building it for people right we're building it we do schools we do parks we do everything a lot of yeah. custom landscape still it's sort of juggling all the balls of landscaping right i mean yeah you're not just a sod guy you're a, a sod guy and a tree guy and a, a concrete guy some days and you're your reinstatement guy and a hardscaper uh, mm-hmm. just a little bit of everything but like you said, like living in Cornwall, there, there's maybe a, a dozen or so good hardscape contractors that you know. Yeah. How many tree guys are there? How many concrete guys are there? Yeah. How many stone yeah. guys are there? There's got to be only like a handful or two, right? There's a handful. We, we're sort of full service, right? We do it yeah. all. Not everybody can say they do it all. That's not to say we let anything. We do a poor job at anything. Mm-hmm. We do try and do a pretty amazing job at everything. Well, if you can do it, you do it. And if not, you get a sub. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, that's it, right? Like, obviously, we're not doing electrical work and we're not no. doing gas work and all that stuff. But we built relationships with people who can. Yeah. Right? And those, those are important. So I would feel, you tell me what you, what you believe on this, but I would feel that the relationships you build in a small town I don't want to just keep beating the point of a small town, but like I live in Montreal. Like if I need an electrician, there's like 20 guys I could call. Yeah. And and you know what? Of the 20, there's probably five that are really good and that's okay. Like I have, I still have some choices, but the smaller and smaller the market is the fewer guys there are to choose from. And of those fewer number of companies to choose from, there's still a small number and a smaller number still of good quality people. So when you find these people, you need to take care of that relationship, no? Oh, yeah. You stick to those guys like glue because they'll, I mean, they go so far for your business. If you can get in with it like a tight group of uh, uh, of other trades that you know you're going to work with a lot, yeah, uh, they've saved me countless times, right? Oh, we need a guy out here uh, to put in, put in our gas uh, tomorrow at noon or else we're not going to be able to, we got to keep rolling and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah, we'll find someone. Well, how do you create those relationships is the first question. Then follow-up question is how do you maintain those relationships? What do you do? Like, what do you personally do? We're nice. I'm a nice guy, I guess. Um, yeah. Nice to, to all the trades that show up on site. Uh, it's always, Hey guys, can we help you out? Uh, are we in your way? Um, say we're on a new build or something like that and we don't know the gas guy. Hey, is there anything we can do for you? Are we going to be in your way here today? They'll say no, no. And we sort of buddy up to them like that. And then you see them again on another job for some reason. And all of a sudden it's say, hey, I got one coming up. Are you interested in, in that? And uh, so, yeah, we can take a look at that with you. And and uh, it's just really organic. Yeah. Uh, the way you talk to them like they're people. That, that's what makes it yeah. organic. Well, <laughs> contractors like to work with contractors, right? Good business owners want to work with other good business owners, no matter where they're from. That's right. Right. Like, uh, I might look a little rough around the edges, but put me in front of a client and I do great. Like I'm good at speaking with a client, right. Whenever I bring in, uh, an electrician or something, I want them to be able to speak the same way that I do to the client just in relation to their trade mm-hmm. and put them at ease that That's way. It. So if you can surround yourself with other trades that, can make your client feel the same way that you make them feel at ease with the job, then things go pretty smoothly. That's uh, very well said, Chad. If you think about it, it, that that's the key, right? It's that confidence that you inspire in the customer that gets you the job. If you can find tradespeople and subcontractors that inspire that same level of confidence in you and subsequently in your customers, then Technically, you could build absolutely anything they want. Yeah. And if you can build anything that they want and they're coming to you asking, what should, what should, what, what could you do for me? Like you, you tell me with your creativity, you hold yeah. all the cards. That's it, right? Like uh, I used to sort of not pre-qualify clients and I'd take any job that would come to me at the okay. beginning. Yeah. And now... Every time I meet with a client, it's me interviewing them, not the mm. other way around, especially because the way the market is right now. But yeah. But when did that change for you the first time? Like, again, like you said, the market now, we all could. Yeah. But when, when did you, when that switch flip for you? Probably four years ago. Okay. We got to the point where I could just 
I'd show up at a client's house and you could tell they were a little meh. Yeah. And if they didn't trust me by the time I left the meeting. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah. It's, I said, I'm not in it either. Right. It's like, I it's mean, like a bad date. Yeah. It's like a bad yeah. date. So just cut the cord right there. And uh, I mean, you can send them a price if you want, uh, pad it if you want, whatever you need to do. You can send them an email saying, hey, I don't know if this is really going to work between us, whatever you need to do um, to get yourself out of the job. Right. But I found by brushing those clients to the side, I have a lot more time to deal with the people and the clients who think like me or who are going to let me sort of do my best. Who value what who value what you bring to the table. Yeah. yeah. If the, like the first thing for us, if the client isn't fluid, like if they're stuck on their idea, this is my design. It's got to be like what I drew on the kitchen napkin or whatever. Not a fit for you. We're not the guy for you. Like yeah. uh, I said, well, this is how it's going to start. And if you can be fluid with me on this section, we'll see how this works and everything. So yeah. If they say, yeah, you know, best, I sort of say, this is going to work for us. We'll, we'll go the extra mile for this client. Mm. They're going to love it and they're going to give us a great referral for the next one. Other than no, it has to be six foot three inches and it has to have a, an 18 inch wall with a inch and a quarter cap or something like that. Just no, no, shut her down right there. Not a- so if I, so, so if, if I lived in Cornwall yeah. and I knew a landscape architect and I had a design and a plan done, you wouldn't be the guy I would call because your value comes from through the creative process. It's not just the build. It's the design and the build that is where you shine. And if it's just a build, is, is that what you're saying? I have no problem installing someone else's design uh-huh. as long as I have some artistic freedom with it. Okay. Right? Um, if, they, if the architect wants to choose the product and everything, I want to run over the list, say, yeah, this is going to work or... No, we need to substitute this. If the client's fluid, I'm game. You'll be okay. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I have no problem. But if it's all locked in in advance and you can't make any suggestions, any changes, then yeah, then no, no good for you. Nah, not unless the profit margins are sky high, and uh, I'm happy working with the client. Yeah, uh, but if everything's locked in, and I have no, it's not as fulfilling for you as work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and you you have found a place with your business where the profits are there and there's the fulfillment too. Yeah. That's that's why, you know, you're saying your business is growing, but after 10 years, you're still the guy selling the jobs and you're still the guy on the job building it and, and working with the team. It's not a failure of the evolution of the business. It's not a failure as an entrepreneur. That's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, we hit our stride. You're happy. I hit my stride in the business where I'm still happy going out. And doing the sales portion of it, as much as they say, hey, I don't want to deal with homeowners. Uh, yeah, I mean they they pay my mortgage, they pay for everything, right? It's it's great whenever the the homeowner is great. Mm-hmm. So let, let's let's talk about the referrals real quick then, because uh, you said all of your business comes from referrals. Yeah, cool. Uh, you said that you don't need to market because the quality of the referrals is is there, where you're able to sell based on that. What do you do to get those referrals? Do you do anything specific or they just happen? Yeah. So if you're a phenomenal business owner, you're going to plug your ears because uh, I give away a lot of free stuff (laughs) and uh, do a lot of things that I don't bill for. Okay. I'll chalk it up to marketing. 
or advertising. But so uh, it's your it's your investment it, in marketing investment. in the form yeah. of in the form. going the extra mile to earn the referrals. Yeah, absolutely right. Okay. If it's a small job, say like five ten grand, uh, there's no cost for planting on the job, so we'll probably throw in maybe five hundred bucks in plants or something like that. Okay. But, uh, Technically, it's built in because you it's, know how much. These yeah, it's sort of built in, right? We're not losing money on no, it, right? But um, it's it's and and you're not you're not uh, you're not ripping people off either, saying, "Well, I'm charging them, but I'm just not telling them, and I'm, I'm making them believe that it's free." It's not that. It's you know your your pricing and your margins cover these things, and if if it's the right type of customer, and you want to throw that little extra a little extra gravy in there because yeah. you know it'll make that much of an impact. Yeah. That's when you decide to do it. Have you ever went to do a hardscape job, finish the job, yeah. great, and say, well, what about the flower beds? Aren't you going to fill them with dirt or something? Yeah. So we used to have that at the start 10 years ago. Yeah. And now I took that. It's, it's something that costs you like, what, 20 bucks a topsoil, like a wheelbarrow topsoil? Yeah. Not even. Well, whatever, like, your first year. And, and, and you, yeah, you don't know. You don't have that money. Or what do you do? Well, now I'm one man with a wheelbarrow and a... Yeah and a truck and it's going to take me all day to fill this flower bed. You yeah. Know? So, so nice. Yeah, exactly. Now, 10 years later, took that out of the equation completely. Well, we're filling your flower bed. We're putting in the plants that we know we're going to do well. We're going to mulch it. Uh, you have no reason to say natural design didn't go 110% for you. It's uh, my wife works uh, in the restaurant uh, business. She's a, she's a sommelier. You know, like when I go to the restaurants that she's worked at, they're, they're you know, they're higher end, they're nicer places. Yeah. But the uh, I, there's a lot of similarities in what we do and what they do in terms of the customer experience. So, yeah. like, sometimes they'll offer, like, let's say in her line of work, like she'll offer a, a, a wine to someone. She'll offer them a, a taste or, or a glass if yeah. they're really not sure. And she's going to take them through this kind of experience. And if they don't like it, well, they just comp it. You know, and it's like, okay, like, yeah, it's a couple bucks that, that comes off the margin at the end of the day, but that customer is happy. Yeah. And the satisfaction of that customer means that they'll come back. And if they come back, they'll bring other friends and family and, and we get more customers overall. Or you ever go and, they, you know, they comp you the dessert or, oh, it's your birthday. Like, boom, what happens on a birthday? You get free cake. Why do you get free cake on a birthday? Because when there's a birthday, it's a party. There's a lot more customers that yeah. come in. That's it. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it's it's a lo- very similar in that like, you know, there's little things that you do that are complimentary, but you know they go a long way in the eyes of the customer and if you make the customer feel good, it's going to turn into referrals for you. That's it, right? Like as a homeowner, if I didn't own a landscape company and I got my flower beds done or something like that and someone left me with no topsoil in my flower bed, great. How am I going to get topsoil to fill this thing? I don't even own a wheelbarrow. You yeah. Know, in some of these places like some of these home, how are they going to do it themselves when you can do it so fast and so easy, right? Like my little machines here, we have a dump truck anyway. We left the yard, the dump truck was empty in the morning, put a bucket of topsoil in it, you know? It's going to take us maybe 20 minutes, half an hour to fill this flower bed. But having the margin that allows you that flexibility is the key. That's it. Right? Because like you said at the beginning, you were so tight at the beginning that you saw that. The customer even asked you, and you couldn't do it. Your yeah. hands were tied. Yeah. Well, I could. I just take it. Yeah, but you take a hit. Exactly. Right. You'd take a but, hit, and you'd burn a day because you weren't prepared for it at all. But one of the benefits of experience 
and this is why we do this show, so people can share their experience, that you, if you add just a little bit of padding to your margin, but you use it not to line your pockets, you use it to make the customer experience just over yeah. the top every yeah. time. Yeah. Then over time, your marketing budget can come down because your referrals and the quality of your referrals is going up. Yeah, little uh, something you learn after being in business a while, I guess. I mean, like you say, I didn't know it at first. Now I just don't want to leave clients with loose ends. You want to have everything tied up so that there's nothing that they have to do other than enjoy it at the end. And cut you that final check. And cut you that check. That check. <laughs> That's, <important> part. <laughs> That's good. Chad, we covered a lot of stuff here today. Is there, uh, there anything else that, that you want to talk about? Um. Is this the part where we plug Teco products or what? <laughs> it can't be. I mean, that's not the point of the show. No, that's no, it. I'm just kidding. Um, but is there any, like maybe something that like you wish you knew? Like if there's someone who's who's pretty new to the industry listening to a 10-year veteran now who's not even investing a penny in official marketing, he's just getting it all through word of mouth and you know doing creative stuff and happy with where his business is at? Yeah, don't listen to me. I did it like... <laughs> Yeah, like maybe you can. I My mentality has always been that if you work harder, you're going to be more successful. And it sort of is, right? But there's marketing guys and there's accountants and everybody, all the real business owners shaking their heads saying, holy shit, this guy's got it so backwards. How is he still making a living? Oh, but I don't I, think so. I don't <laughs> think so, man. There, there's, there's, uh, we didn't crack open your books and stuff. Like that may be there, but like there's some very solid found, like, core business foundational things that you're doing and you're doing well. You're focusing on the customer experience. You're focusing on doing a good job. You have a very clear identity. There's a type of project that you want and a type of project that you don't. You know when to go after the big fish because they, they secure significant influx of, of or injection of cash flow to the business, which is nice. It also keeps your name out there in the community, which is important in a smaller community. There's a ton of stuff you're doing right. Don't sell yourself short, man. Yeah. Maybe a, uh, I don't like to take myself too seriously, so maybe I'm sort of half joking about the whole thing. But uh, if you're just starting out, what do you do? Spend as much time doing cool stuff as you can, because before you know it, you'll be paid for more than what you just do. I think there's a quote somewhere, uh, do more than what you're paid to do, and someday you'll be paid more to do what you do yeah, it, it, it comes back to you. Yeah, I, I don't know. what I, I'm sure there's a quote too, but it, it's along those lines. Like just go, go that extra mile for the customer and over time it will get you to a point where you're getting paid for that work. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You know? Yeah, it's a sad investment. Plus the more cool stuff that you do, the better you get at doing cool stuff. Yeah, it's just easier to do cool stuff after a while, right? People take more chances you're more confident in doing the cool stuff. Even some of the big guys like Instagram and stuff, you see them where they started. Oh yeah, they did a cool job a couple of years ago and they're just blowing minds now. It's really cool to see. Well, look, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Super informative, honestly. There's a lot of good stuff. I have a page full of notes here. So like, it's good stuff. You're a good business person, Chad. If you were wondering, you're you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that. No. It's been a, a blast there, and I can't wait to. Don't know how many years I have left there, but. Oh well. Well, probably. You're not even in your mid thirties yet. 
Yeah, 20. Freedom 55, right? Awesome. Liquidate and there you go. So you got 20, 21 more years. 21 You're all more set. Years. That's it. You're all set. So uh, over the next two plus decades left of your career, if people want to reach out to you and, uh, and pick your brain and stuff, uh, what's the best way to do that? Instagram. Find me at Natural Design Landscapes. That's uh, probably the best way. Yeah. Natural Design Landscapes on Instagram. Chad Kenville, thank you once again. And until next time, everybody, work hard and pave harder. This has been the Hardscape Grill Show. This episode is brought to you by Hardscaper.com. The Hardscaper mission is to empower industry professionals with the skills, inspiration, and confidence they need to take their businesses to new heights. Struggling with training programs for your team? Looking for helpful tips to build a better company? Subscribe today to gain access to hours of interactive, on-demand hardscape construction and business courses for free. Plus, members gain access to virtual educational events, special offers, and fantastic prizes from our partners. Visit hardscaper.com today and let us help you pave your way to greater success. You've been listening to Hardscape Growth, a podcast for business leaders in the trenches. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Until next time, work hard and pave harder.